This Dharma Talk was presented at the Austin Zen Center in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit austinzencenter.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning, I want to do something different this morning. Ooh. We don't ever sing in here, so I want you guys to sing this morning because that's going to be the introduction to my song. So if you saw the title of my talk, you might know what the song is. The song is Row, Row, Row Your Boat, and I want to do it like a round. So I hope everybody knows that song. I always have to ask because at my age, sometimes I find out things I take for granted everybody knows they don't. But everybody know Row, Row, Row Your Boat? Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> okay, are there? Are we on? Okay. I think we'll just do it as a four-part part round, okay? We had enough people. So these people down here are group one, the people sitting on cushions, and the people on that side in chairs will be two, and these people over here will be three, and the people out there are four. So we'll just come in after each row, row, row your boat, then the next group comes in, row a second time, and then, oh, merrily, 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 the green, right? So you all know the, I'll try to Bring you in if I can. Okay, let's start with this group. Row, row, Uh, 
a dream, a dream world. So uh, the word dream, uh, what does that bring up for you all? I mean, I have a list of here of things, but I'm interested in what the word dream brings up for people. Anybody got any? Dream feels so primary. It feels like all the things I associate it with are secondary to it. Like, like uh -huh. if it's an illusion, it's like a dream. Uh -huh. Like it becomes everything. Yeah, dream, dream is like, yeah, it's like an illusion. It's like something fake. It's something that's imaginary. But all of those things feel like they're describing dreams, not that dreams are describing those things. Like dream is like the primary form of yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I, um, I tend to be more comfortable in the dream world than I do like in the waking world in my body. Mm. And even when I'm having dreams that are very uncomfortable, it somehow feels more real, but then I wake up and of course it doesn't feel real, but it's, there's something, I guess primal is the word, it feels more natural. or a portal into like what's possible in a in a very expanded way, like intense creativity and the opposite of what would be kind of the reduction state of a mind. Mm, Expansive. No, no Possibilities. To it. Yeah. Okay. I think of it as in addition to what other people have said, but it's like an expression of what like my subconscious is picking up on, but I'm not conscious of it. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. The waking moments. Yeah. Uh -huh. Doing its own thing. Well, yeah, those are some wonderful. Uh oh, Harry. We're just going to say it seems like a like a good expression or a good uh, kind of insight into like how much our minds can create things that seem like very real like kind of the detail and the level of intensity that we can experience during dreams you know that's all happening inside of our mind while we're asleep yeah yeah okay well i i love these answers i think they're uh, my, my list is a, not not quite as deep as some of the some of the things on it are you know, you mentioned that it's all inside our mind. It's created by our mind. And, and of course, dreams are outside the law of physics, the laws of physics. Anything can happen. Your hand can go through your other hand. And, you, know, mm. you could have six fingers. I fly a lot of my dreams. <laughs> they do? Six I fingers? No, I fly. No, I fly a lot. Oh, there's always two seconds when I wake up, I'm still very sure I can fly. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's fun. What about, uh, I have my list that dreams are usually visual. Would, would you all agree with that? I, I, I would, but you know, last night I had a dream that a friend of mine lived next door to me and her cell phone for some reason was hooked up, hanging up on her porch. And uh, so one day it started blaring out all of her text messages. <laughs> and it's funny. I mean, I, I suppose it was kind of gibberish, but the text messages seemed to make sense to me in the dream. And 
you know, and I was desperately trying to get a hold of her to tell her that what was happening, but I didn't think to just go over and turn off the, um, <laughs> which is another characteristic of, uh, I've been reading some uh, of uh, Holacek, um, um, is it Michael Holacek? Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Holacek. I've been reading some of him and, and, and he mentions that, you know, there's a, a real feeling of choicelessness in, in a dream. You're, mm. you're, just, you're just carried along like a, a body of water or something. I mean, you, you can't, you're not there, basically. Mm. So uh, there's, there's not a feeling of choice. And a couple of other observations from Andrew Holacek that I found rather fascinating he was making the point that our dreams, are, of course, are, are made totally of our mind. And he said, you know, if you look at an object on your desk or something and you can see it, and the reason you can see it is because it's lit. I mean, it's got, it's reflecting light, either daylight or artificial light, but, you know, there had to be light there to see it. And he said, well, but in your dream, what is, how can you see things? What is lighting? Uh, what is lighting the, uh, the objects that you see in your dream? And, he said, well, it's your mind. It's the light of your mind that's, that's uh, allowing you to see things. And he also said that uh, when you think about it, a dream doesn't really have a dreamer because you're unconscious pretty much and your senses are all turned way, way down. So you really aren't there. You aren't there. Unlike in our waking dreams or our waking life, we're, we're there, and when we remember the dream, then we're a rememberer of the dream, but the experience of the dream just isn't around. And so he said it's really one of the non-dual, the true non-dual experiences that we have is, is the dream, because there's not a separation you know, between the person doing it and the act. Of, I thought those were rather interesting things to think about. Well, I guess I got very interested in this subject because I was have been reading, or I've just finished Emma Children's latest book, or I think it's her latest book. It's the latest one I heard of, anyway. It's called How We Live is How We Die. And it's really interesting. I, I don't know if you, probably a lot of you are Emma Children fans. It's very different. I found it to be very different from her other books because most of the time she's talking about her personal battles with her clashes, the Tibetan word for uh, delusions. And so I, which I love about her because she is constantly working with herself and, and she talks about how she does that. And but this book was actually more about philosophy, Tibetan philosophy and, you know, the, the bardos and how they have everything scripted out about what happens after death, which is, a little hard for me to completely swallow, but I have a great respect for Tibetans, so I have to keep um, open to these ideas. And she talks about dreaming in there, and because the, being in the bardos is very much like being in a dream. So, so she talks about. She said, "You know, we 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 believe in appearances. I mean, most of us we really uh, glom on to appearances of things, and it's so easy to believe in them." And, uh, but of course, all, as we know, appearances are usually misleading. So she talks about how differently we all experience things. And I'm just thinking about you all sitting here. We're all here in this room together, but everybody is having a pretty much completely different experience from everybody else. 
some of you, some of us are involved probably today in certain dramas in our life. You know, maybe we got a unpleasant diagnosis from the doctor, or maybe we are struggling with a child that's having trouble, or maybe we're we've ex lately experienced some something that we perceived as a big failure, and we're suffering with that, or maybe we're we've experience some new success and we're having delusions of grandeur about you know how important our life is and we're, we're all going through different things and even those of us maybe who at the current time aren't really feeling caught up in some drama uh, and maybe we're somewhat present here we're still experiencing this space all very differently you know even if we're present in the space some of us are some of us who have social anxiety are a little nervous of being here around a lot of people. And some of us are loving being here around a lot of people. And some of us are, um, um, well, anyway, there's just get the idea that we're all experiencing things very, very differently. And uh, one way to look at it is we're all, we're all in our own different dreams. We're all dreaming. It's clear we, we can't have all of these realities, can we? what I was going to say uh, about that. Oh, it reminds me of uh, <laughs> something somebody said early in my practice once about, you know, you walk into a Zendo and everybody looks so calm and just so still and quiet and all these Buddhas are there and their eyes are lowered. But inside, it's a cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all in we're all in this, in this dream. And then uh, Pema gets into um, talking about lucid dreaming. So uh, does everybody know what lucid dreaming is? The, the experience of, just in case, uh, experience of being, of realizing that you're in a dream when you're actually in a dream. So of course, this is something that uh, Andrew Holacek has, has kind of a guru, guru in the dreaming and lucid dreaming and techniques to achieve lucid dreaming. Has anybody had a lucid dream? Oh, wow, lots of you. Oh, I'm so amazed. When um, uh, I haven't, because um, I'm sort of intrigued. Yes, um, Nate. Just to be clear, you mean if the dream, you know you're dreaming, but the dream keeps going. Yes, yes, right. You don't wake up. Yeah, yeah, you stay in it, right. Well, you're kind of awake, right? You have to be if you know you're dreaming. Semi-conscious? I don't really. I'm not sure. I haven't experienced it. Okay. Maybe I have. So you mean, all right. Does that fit what you, you, you've experienced? or? Well, it's like I'm kind of asleep and I'm kind of awake. I couldn't be kind of asleep where I wouldn't be lucid. Like, I don't know. Yes. Okay. I've had two, and one of the ones I had was seeing my cat who had died, mm -hmm. and we were, I was like just kind of fitting up, like loving him, and then at some point I realized like he's dead, and mm -hmm. I'm dreaming, and I, this, so I was still in the dream, so I just thought I'm just going to appreciate this mm -hmm. extra chance I get with my, my boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I want to find out more stories about maybe. Uh, so, yeah, and, and and all of this brings back for me uh, Kokyo Henkel's uh, Genzo A, 
Um, how many people were here? This was uh, in the August of 21, and he gave, Kokil Henkel gave a, a Genzelai here at AZC on uh, a Dogen fascicle about dreaming, dreaming um, within a dream, expressing the dream is the name of that fascicle. How many people were here for that? Not, not a whole lot of people yeah, was here. So it brought back uh, that, and I was very happy to go into my computer and find out that I had, uh, I had I had notes that I had taken from that experience, and I will talk a little bit about some of those. I was very relieved to, or I was very, I don't know if relieved is the right word, but I, I, it, I, I was touched that Pema Children also got into lucid dreaming and talking about some of the same techniques that uh, Kokia talked about and that Andrew Holacek talks about uh, for, uh, for helping, helping yourself have lucid dreams, for bringing them about. You can actually do little exercises that will make that happen. And I have to say that I've always felt just a little bit turned off by that because it just feels kind of gimmicky and it feels like a shortcut. And um, and as much as I uh, love Tokyo Henkel, I I don't relate to him very well. He's just, you know he's very hip and edgy, but I do relate to Pema Chogra because she's kind of in my age group and she's very <laughs> solid and she just works hard continuously at herself. I can relate to that more than I can to the because the other sounds almost like, and, and I know that. Um, this is not a bad thing either, but it's, you know, it seems it's like doing drugs in order to get spiritual awakening. It somehow seems like a shortcut to me that doesn't seem quite so pathetic. But anyway, so I was very, it, I, I feel a certain acceptance now because Pema is also doing this. Because <laughs> this whole thing about experiencing lucid dreams to me would seem like a tremendous spiritual help to us. Because when we can be aware that we're in a dream, we become aware that everything in the dream is our mind. And one of the things that Kokia mm -hmm. said when he was here is that it must have happened. He picked up, he was having a lucid dream and he had a, a glass. And, and he realized that the glass was his mind, that the glass was mm. made up of his mind, if, that, if you can get your arms around that. And I think when you think about the people in your dreams, if you can see that they're you, they're you, it's a wonderful, I would think it'd be a wonderful spiritual awakening uh, moment to, to be able to experience that. And I think that uh, those are dreams, I don't know, you people that have had them, maybe, did you feel that was it sort of life changing? It seems to me it could be life changing to actually see or actually have a felt experience of of oneness. You know, mm. and being able to see that, that it's like the super so mm. every everything is mine. That um, to be able to to experience that, I think, would be very rich. And and when you have, have or lucid dream now there's a certain element of choice in the dream too that you can you know you chose to love your love your cat did you feel at one with your cat did you feel like it was part of you i i recognized that it was my memory uh -huh. that was kind of like being played 
but that I got to like experience mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I remember deciding that I'm going to appreciate this as well as I can. No, that was, that was so good. So I read through all my notes from Tokyo and I was sort of sorry that a lot of it felt like, hmm, I don't really remember what this means. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> <laughs> I read through Dogen's fascicle, which was to get better understanding. <laughs> What's that? I said to get a better understanding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, oh my gosh, maybe I could use some of this stuff in my talk, but I'm just sort of like, oh, Dogen, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did pick out a couple of things to say, and they're kind of loosely, loosely. Um, connected things. But this is one thing that, that Kokyo said, and it was an interpretation from, from Dogen. He said, doing, lucid, doing lucid dreaming is like the Bodhisattva way. We aren't leaving the dream, we stay with it, but we know we are dreaming. We do this for the benefit of all beings. Why do you need to wake up when you know it's a dream? What do you gain by waking up from the dream? Well, this really hit me like a ton of bricks because, you know, I've always taken this from, you know, we always hear that this practice is about waking up, you know, the Buddha woke up from his suffering. And so I always thought waking up was really important. And uh, this sort of seemed to throw a little wrench in that, you know, and it's, it's a whole thing um, for those of you who are newer to the practice, maybe, uh, you know, maybe know what a bodhisattva is, but a bodhisattva is, taken vows to um, awaken or so be enlightened after everyone else. So stay and stay in this suffering world to help other people. And so this is just a different way of looking at that. We stay with the dream. This is making us realize that the dream is really our whole life. So we stay in the suffering dream in order to, to for the benefit of all beings, but we're awake. We're, we're awake within the dream. We're, mm. we're realizing that we're dreaming. So I guess my takeaway from this um, is that maybe we don't need to wake up from the dream, but we do need to wake up to the fact that we're dreaming. So let's see, I mentioned the thing about picking up a cup of water and knowing that the cup is your mind, that it's not any, it's not separate from you, that nothing, you can extrapolate that, that nothing is separate. Another thing that Kokyo said was that awareness is the content of awareness, which I think was sort of saying that awareness is the object of awareness, I think, and that everything changes, but awareness isn't really a thing. So that when we're aware of something, we're totally one with it. There isn't uh, this act of awareness in the middle. It's just like we're, we're just one with it. And then Pukki said an interesting thing. He said, my interpretation of Dogen, which is what he was working with, this Genzo A was to interpret Dogen for us, help with us, you know, we were interpreting together. My interpretation of Dogen is itself a dream. So this whole idea of waking up from a dream isn't you know when we wake up from a dream we really just wake up to another dream so our dreaming is endless our life is is uh, one dream after another and this is a, sort of the title of this you know what we, within a dream expressing the dream 
Okay, so now I'm going to read um, something to maybe scratch your head. I'm going to read a little bit of Dogen from this passage. This long paragraph. So enjoy this. <laughs> there are inner dreams, dream expressions, expressions of dreams and dreams inside. Without being within a dream, there is no expression of dreams. Without expressing dreams, there is no being within a dream. Without expressing dreams, there are no Buddhas. Without being within a dream, Buddhas do not emerge and turn the wondrous Dharma will. This Dharma will is no other than a Buddha together with a Buddha and a dream expressed within a dream. Simply expressing the dream within a dream is itself the Buddhas and ancestors, the assembly of unsurpassable enlightenment. Furthermore, going beyond the Dharma body is itself expressing the dream within a dream. Oh, everybody get that? <laughs> yeah, in my usual way of trying to read Dogen, where I'm trying to understand every sentence and make sense of it, of course, it doesn't work at all, and it's very, very, very frustrating. But somehow I backed off from this paragraph, and I said, you know, I don't understand anything, but I certainly get this feeling that this dream is very, very big and it's kind of everything and it has everything in it. It has all the Buddhas are in it and all the enlightenment in it and everything. It's just this big, you know, this massive thing. And um, it was sort of helpful to look at it that way. So, and, and my feeling too is that the stream is very wonderful, but it's not something that we're supposed to disparage or want to get away from or want to get out of. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and that maybe uh, this whole dream, this whole life is just enlightenment itself. We're just dreaming with the Buddhas. So love your dream. And then I'm adding that to that as much as possible, be aware that you are dreaming. And that's kind of the statement. I don't know. I hope I haven't confused everybody. <laughs> <laughs> then I wanted to turn uh, a, a little bit uh, in a different direction and, uh, and uh, talk about another uh, much more recent text that talks about dreaming. And that is Joko Beck's uh, lovely interpretation of the Four Noble Truths. And I don't know. I don't know if you all, how many of you know this? Uh, you know what I'm going to say, the caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. I know that uh, they chant this at uh, Apamada. When I used to teach in prison, we would chant this at the end. Very <clears throat> I love it. It's a caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding the self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. It seems to kind of fly in the face of what I just said, you know, about, well, how wonderful this being is, and how, you know, this is our life. And here it's like, now she says, a self-centered dream. Wow, that sounds, that sounds very different. But, and, and, so the dream that Joko is referring to is the dream of me, the dream of endless pleasure and comfort that we're always wanting. This is a dream that's the core of all of our addictions and all of our suffering, our feeling that we're separate. 
but we're human beings and that's what we do for some reason we have to fight with this we have to um, somehow come to terms with this this dream of uh, of me of this you know our constant desire for things to go our way it's not going to go away we're not going to get over it more or less maybe about maybe a little bit we'll get over it but we're not going to stop making ourselves the center of that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we make progress. We make progress. <laughs> so I guess another random thought here is that our, our perception of things is our own creation. We project everything from our own conditioning and uh, make up stories to define ourselves and to define our lives. And, of course, this whole business about suffering is that we become the victims of our own dreams, or victims of our own mind manifestations. This reminds me of um, a person that came to me for practice discussion, uh, I don't know, a while back, a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago. And she didn't, she wasn't a member here, but she was obviously uh, a very talented at what she did. I could, I could just tell she was an extremely competent person. And she hadn't had a job for six months. And something happened in her job, and it was apparently even too painful for her to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she had always worked for nonprofits. She was an accountant, and she always worked for nonprofits, but she took a job in high tech. And she got fired and something, I, I have to assume, she never told me exactly what happened, but I have to assume that she was scapegoated in some way, that it wasn't something that she did. And she got fired and she just, you know, was so angry and hated these people that did this to her. But, but she, she was really a quick study. And I just said to her, you realize these people now have all this power over your life because you're, of course, it wasn't they that had the power. It was her own mind that had the power over her life because she was generating and believing all of this anger and hatred. And so she was a victim of her own, you know, creation, the creation of her mind. And she was so quick. She really got it. And, you know, we met, I don't know, four or five times and, um, and she got a job. She was able to get a job. She, she was able to understand that, that she was giving these, granting all this power to you know, people that had harmed her. And, and, and she, was, she was free. So just an example of how we are victims of our own. But you guys already know that. So, you know, but we, we do all this because, I don't know, the world's so illusory, it's so dreamlike, this dream that we're in, and it's always changing. But our ego wants us to see things as solid, you know, wants us to see that, to, to solidify everything or reify everything. I, I find it very interesting that after uh, an intense meditation experience, maybe like a Sushin, like Rihatsu, where we really get into Sushin mind and get somewhat free of, of our being so captured by our thoughts. 
and but sometimes I the, the shim's over and I'm going home. I think, oh, oh getting back to reality, you know, sort of it's a topsy turvy way, you know, to look at what what is reality, you know, is it is it this solid life that you know I I I kind of am addicted to, or is it something I can't see, you know, something that is over and above what I can think about. And, I think Andrew Holacek said something. I think many people have said this, but I like the way he said it. He said, we suffer in direct proportion to how much we solidify our world. And he said, we live in the nightmare of reification. So this is the suffering of the Four Noble Truths. So waking up to the fact that we are dreaming is how we can dissolve this painful solidity. Just let it kind of very gradually melt away. It doesn't happen fast. It can happen at glacial, glacial speed or over the years. It's sometimes called opening the hand of thought and, or learning to step back and watch the dream. Or as Andrew Holacek says, learning to see things from the back of your head. I thought that was kind of an interesting expression. Mm -hmm. I tried it, you know, thinking, looking at things, projecting them back to the back of, literally to the back of my head. I thought that was kind of helpful. So um, I'll close with something I find very moving, which is the poem that's at the end of the Diamond Sutra, also known as the Diamond Cutter Sutra. We said this, we chanted this during Rahatsu. Uh, but there's a little poem right towards the end, and um, it goes like this. It says, so you should view this leading world as a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. Oh, if there's any questions or comments, or anybody want to tell about rivers and dreams? <laughs> Rudy. Oh, sure. So I guess my experience of lucid dreaming is very similar to my experience of daydreaming. So I have a very vivid imagination. Ever since I was a little kid, I get caught in daydreams very easily when I'm awake. And I think, you know, that's already, that's already a space where I can kind of ignore my body and go up into my mind and explore whatever it is that I want to explore and kind of be somewhere else. And it's a very tempting thing to go to. And daydream, lucid dreams is kind of like, oh, I'm dreaming. And then I just kind of do whatever it is that I was going to do. And... I guess for me, like just thinking about this, I'm realizing that, that I guess the nice thing about dreams a lot of the time is they're not quite as seductive as daydreams. And daydreams feel more dangerous to me in a lot of ways. And it's very easy. Like I've known people in my life who kind of got just completely lost in fantasies in their life. And it's a very easy thing to do. And I think the, that little aha moment is probably the best part of a, a lucid dream. I used to have this recurring dream. So a long time ago, I worked at Starbucks and I had this recurring dream where someone was calling me a drink and I couldn't hear what they were saying. It would happen over and over. It's a very dream thing. But yeah, like, yeah. It was like, it was like, it was like anxiety that was there, but then there would be this moment in the dream of, oh, I'm dreaming. And it was just relief that I wasn't at work. That's all it really was. <laughs> and that was that aha moment, which was nice. But then I think I just, like, it would just turn into something else and it wouldn't matter as much, I think. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
But I think that I think if if I had that much clarity with daydreams as <laughs> that I have with dream dreams, lucid dreaming, I think that would be good because I think that a daydream you already kind of know it's dream, so you you think you think you're you're wise to it in a way that you're not, mm-hmm. and it's seductive in the way that the dream dream once you know it's a dream you thought it was completely real therefore you can step back a little bit when you realize it's not yeah but in your daydream you don't have six fingers and you can't stick your fingers through your hand i mean i could i could like that was an interesting that was something that 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 i i i that felt important to me to explore sure Mm. (laughs) thank you yeah, this is something that I've been hearing from medical professionals that, that there are people showing up at ERs now in Austin, I'm sure elsewhere, that um, get stuck in the VR world for like a day, you know, and um, it, it's that to me is real. I've, I've never wow. done VR. I know a lot of people have and, you know, probably I will I at some point, but they get stuck in the VR world because they can't get out. They're like in the, that, whatever the, the virtual reality room that then they're just stuck in there. Even if they take their thing off? Right. Yeah. I think it's, it doesn't, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not like a lot of people, but some people have that response. I mean, it, it sounds a lot like me when I get, when I, you know, when I get in a big, like a, like a, like a fantasy space where if I spend a lot of time online reading something and it's very hard to leave that. And I can imagine knowing that I needed to take the headset off and then not being able to come out and face reality and then getting dehydrated or something is something I can imagine happening. Anyway, I just thought that was yeah, interesting. interesting. I was like, wow, it's hard to imagine that. Oh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yes. I started lucid dreaming sometime in like 2020 or 2019. Mm-hmm. And I really relate to what you were saying about selfish desire turning things into a nightmare. Because mm-hmm. when I when I had the aha of like I'm dreaming, there's this initial impulse to go fulfill whatever selfish desire that you want to fill, because you can create anything once you're lucid dreaming. It's just as awake as being in, you know, in this reality, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing that I tried recently, I invite you all to try this if you if you pop into a lucid dream, is meditate. And sitting down and focusing on one spot. In a dream. In the dream, meditating in the dream. And realizing that you're dreaming and then waking up into this reality is, like you said, it's just, it's an amazing practice to just, to show you how flimsy this one is too. So that's a different take on it. But it's really hard to do because you want to like, you want to go talk to people and like, you know, jump around and do magic tricks or something like Flying is always really fun, but as soon as I do that, I fall out of it. But just sitting there with it and appreciating the dreamness of the dreams, uh-huh. it's awesome. So thank you so choice. much for your time. You make the today. choice to meditate instead of just doing you know, some <laughs> selfish thing. That's <laughs> cat. This reminds me of, um, I don't remember now where I read this, but it was like awareness is the container that 
like holds your thoughts. So like your thoughts help you to understand reality, but they are not reality. But some people, if you're not conscious, can get lost in their thinking, thinking that it's what's really happening. But it just reminds me of like basically thinking is a tool to to see reality with. And it makes me wonder if like dreams are just, it's like another tool in, in your awareness container. Yeah, I think thinking is a tool to see reality in, in the sense that it's one of our senses. We, how we experience our life. But it's not actually reality. Right, yeah. So dreaming is a tool to help us understand our life. Yes. Yeah. I just want to say um, about Andrew Holacek, he has a book, but also I think it's still up. Maybe Tricycle has a course. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you're interested in it, a, it became popular enough that I think for a while it was his most popular online course. So you might check that out if you would like some guidance in how to do this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's a Tibetan practitioner, so it's not in our Zen tradition so much, all of this. But but as Pat said, you know, Dogen has this fascicle of the dream, expressing the dream within the dream. And you know, the other thing that came to mind when she was talking about Dogen and about the Reverend Kokio Hankel's teaching about this is uh, you know, Buddhas are not separate from religion, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's nirvana is not some other place to go to. It's utilizing nirvana and samsara, it's a shift of our understanding. So seeing everything in a dream as yourself helps us get out of the self-centered dream, which is what makes us suffer. So I really appreciate that teaching. Me, I have a question. So in the Buddhist way, we, we teach to meditate from written way for like a forgiveness to be calmed down for the right thing. But people, it is uh, like an example, like a politics. Do you know the Aung San Suu Kyi? Yeah. Okay. She had like a pet, like this, how to call this house. But she had to stay inside. I don't know if she's fine for England or not. But she had to stay inside that house. House arrest. Yeah. In, in the, only that house for a long time. But she had high education. And then the military from the Burma, Burmese, uh, around her every corner she cannot go out from from that house that example for long time to see for my bad team in united states of america it's called freelance freedom celebrity uh, in the new york right so i have a problem with the law police catch me go in the jail but i feel like i'm like on time to see because i'm not citizen in this country but I don't do nothing wrong, no have even uh, evidence in that snowman county. And uh that called support to release me, let me out to that that jail one one night or one day, that's enough for the normal law. And then I don't have money, I have to walk from that that head that uh that day, they, they release me. I know money, I walk from that called snowman county every day, go to Linwood for five hours walking. With, uh, and then I cannot go in the house. They tell me I have to call the police. Okay. I have my phone. I call the police 911. And then he, he kept, he cast me back to the jail. 
and then put in the uh, put me in the jail. I don't know which law for five days. And then I had bad dream for my deep root. I from Chiang Mai, north of Thailand. I have culture same like Burmese. But I have a question like the Aung San Suu Kyi. She have stay in that. That how can that cannot go anywhere for a year or two year? I don't know because I'm young. But for me, for five days, I have this question for America. What they are doing in the Washington State? Because when I, when I go to the jail, her piece bad people. They scheming, the fighting with the people work work in the the jail. But I'm not. I'm follow everything in the rule. After that, they kept me back. They put me in the not the jail. In the the room is too small. I have to take out everything. Cannot drink even water. Cannot do nothing even pee. I suffer for a night. That's why I don't. That's why I don't believe the law in this country. And then I don't know since before, but I know because TikTok. Or when I'm younger, I saw I I watch the cartoon. It's a like, Ikyu Sang. Then you don't know, right? But he he too small. He maybe he then I don't know. But he you know have mom, and he meditate and just hope one day he can meet the mom or go out, go out from the temple to meet Jesus. It's same same choice. A little kid think one want to see the world like Ikyu Kyusang. Also, Aung San Suu Kyi want to go out from that that place. To tell the truth for the world too, for the communist or the military control. But for me, this is America. When I can go back home, when I can see my daughter, same thing, mm-hmm. same question. But I have to come back to do meditate because I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. I'm not a queen. I'm not a president, but I'm a woman. You believe me now? Sometimes media not much enough. Yes, not only the book. We put too many people in jail in this country. I know, but you have to you have you have to see too. This is liberty, not the media. It's wrong. Not the Western mm. Empire. We have by power from the military. It's this mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but mm. for me, for Ikyusan or for me, Pavida or Aung San Suji. Easily more than people suffer in the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's that, a, this is an example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only comment to make right now. Sorry for your suffering a big impact all over the world under house arrest. In within that injustice, everyone knew her name, and everyone had Burma in their consciousness all over the world. I understand, but when you stay in the house, I have one patient in the weed country. You saw the I don't know that that's to the Asian. The kids go to the pilot. I don't know. I don't really remember. It's long time ago. Why? They can bail the bad people from a thousand to die the car to hit good people or hit dying with consent. I don't know, but this this knew about two years ago. Mm-hmm. But for me, 
I know my me or no family, even in here. Why 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 they don't release me? Why uh still in Wisconsin or somewhere in in or oh, uh, I don't remember. They release for a thousand and that guy is the guy the time to keep normal life to die like eight mm. eight eight people. I don't have any answers for you. I, I know, but it's so many times different too. We need we need people is us. Want to do the right thing for the world, for mm -hmm. real. And that's us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Yes. More questions? Or are you ready? Yeah. Well, it's almost a career after, so it's time to go. Have some. Oh, where? Where are you, Walter? Sure. I see him perfectly. Is he? Have you had your hand raised? Yeah. I mean. I'm sorry. So you talked about you raised the idea of home arrest. And you also in your talk, and I want to thank you for your talk because I think you did two things for me. One is you allowed me as to respond to my middle school English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Spent a lot of time trying to get us to distinguish between simile and metaphor. <laughs> and the poem is not life is like, life is but. So there is, it's not a simile, it's a metaphor. It is, an is. And in fact, the second thing that you mentioned that the English teacher helps me respond to is you said very quickly the word prison, and it comes up again relative later, and you're sharing your story. One of the things that I did very early in my practice, um, a teacher that we shared, we would go to prisons. And one of the things that was really stunning was the strength of the practice. Like I could get out like here, I can walk outside, I'm in Austin, I'm free, I have a car, I can do that. But there's something about the practice in the prison that was, especially, I can lapse into thinking that life is but a nightmare, right? I can go there. And they would, have had, every, they would have had every reason in the world to believe that life is a nightmare, but they didn't. And I think the key to it is exactly what you pointed out, is that life is a dream. What Charlie, I just heard say, life is a dream, and that's the way out, if you will. Not a simile, but it is a dream. So, thank you for reminding me of both things. Yeah, we just have to remember that. that the light is, it lightens everything, doesn't it? It lightens our load to see that. Thank you.